There's more music in the world than we'll ever know. I'm Vic. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Ryan Book Podcast. Once she gets on your radar, Aaron Allen Kane is pretty damn hard to miss. Just ask Prince, Spike Lee, Mumford and & Sons, and the growing list of luminaries who have fallen hard for the modern soul in Aaron's aviary series. We have two, and we had a chance to catch Aaron by phone from Chicago. Tiffany Kamara of Never Say Die talked to her about the perception of women in music, the challenges of working with studio musicians without a lot of knowledge and theory, and what's next with a big year ahead. I have been doing music since I was probably like six years old. I was in a choir. Um, my mom, you know, went to church and she made me in the choir. And that's when I started to sort of develop an ear for like having parts. You know, they give you soprano parts and alto parts. And so I started learning that and doing, you know, a hang of that. And I thought it was really cool. And then I always um, sang, but I just never kind of put myself out there. Until, like, end of high school, I did, like, my talent show. And um, I sang, like, a Stevie Wonder song or something. And then these guys were there, and they were like, oh, we want to sign you um, to this stupid development deal. And so I, naive and young, signed and didn't take a look at the contract at all. And they just ended up being crazy people. So so I breached contracts, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And, um... That being my first real experience trying to pursue anything musical kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. And so I kind of gave up on it again. I was like, oh, I'll just put it on the back burner. I can just, you know, I can sing, but I'll just focus on my acting because I was really acting. And um, I left music for like three years and then two, four years, actually. And then um, three years ago, I found it again because I was, um, I went to Australia to live with my dad and. I, uh, he was not there a lot, actually, and I just ended up having a lot of time alone, and so I just started making music by, like, banging on stuff and making harmonies and horn sections and just hearing all this stuff in my head, and I came back to the state, um, and that's kind of when I was like, okay, I gotta take this seriously, and I met someone, I was like, I want to record all these songs that I made in Australia, and that person was my manager, and eventually he was like, whoa, let's save these, let's just do a whole new project, so even working on this one for about two and a half years um, doing all the songs and that was amidst working with other artists as well in the city so it's been a long time coming but yeah that's that's about it. Outside of producing the EP uh, did you feel like you had to overcome anything else? Um, I know right now in the music industry there's a lot of uh, women coming out talking about uh, the, the weirdness that happens in the entertainment industry um, you know, being sexualized or not taking serious. Um, is that anything that you Oh that's that Yeah, that's a huge thing. I wanted I wanted people to notice that um thirdly I I have a lot of people who would like tell me like, Oh yeah, you, like online be like, Oh yeah, twins produce this or 
it's because of chance that all this happened. They're like, you know, they kind of put it on these male figures. It's like, I put a lot of hard work and effort into doing this, and it's it, that was an issue for me, something that I struggled with internally, just having people not believe that this was possible for a female to write and produce and do other stuff, and hearing it so many times that it was because of these males that, you know, these men are the reason why I'm, like, doing this music and all that kind of stuff is kind of disheartening. But, yeah, I mean, the industry, I think, has always been kind of just not in the favor of women all the time. I mean, I'm so happy that we have strong women coming out now and speaking about this because it is an issue. Um, like you said, it, of being sexualized and not taken seriously, a lot of people think that every one of my songs is like a love song to a man. And it's like, no, I'm actually speaking about political issues in this song. Or this, you know, And I like to write my songs vague enough, vaguely enough to where the listener can interpret it on however they will. But it's just funny to me that like most people will automatically go to, oh, she's writing a sappy love song, or which isn't bad. I, I have love songs, but um, that was just something that, I kind of, you know, needed to put out in the world. Like, I don't, I don't just make love songs. I'm a female who has, you know, opinions about things, and I, I have a platform that I feel like I can use to talk about things that aren't really being talked about um, among singers, especially female singers. So, has any of that uh, impacted the way that you write or produce your music? Um, or maybe uh, I, I the subject think... matter. Yeah, that was never, it never really had an effect. I did, I'd say that I made conscious, like, Have Mercy, for instance. Um, Have Mercy and How Many Times. Uh, when I came out with those songs, there was a lot of people being like, you know, why would you, why would she release this song? It's a acapella song. Why would she release How Many Times? These songs aren't really singles. And I kind of always done that from the beginning. I just kind of, to my own drum I, I I don't really I know that men I know the way that the world thinks about things is the way that the world thinks about things but I kind of just do my own thing and hope that it sticks with people I guess but um, yeah I just even with like my first song that I ever released it was called Hollow and that was also um, acapella all acapella and people were like yeah, and if that's the right, you know, thing to do, and I'm like, well, I'm going to do it, and, you know, <laughs> hopefully someone will listen and pay attention to it. So you talked a little bit about how <clears throat> people sometimes attribute men to your success, um, but you have had a, a few big breakout moments uh, in 2015. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously with Prince and most recently uh, working with Spike Lee on his newest project. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. that experience uh, first with Prince? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's really cool. He, well, when I first released Hollow, which was like three years ago, um, the acapella song, he somehow saw it and was like, like I put it out there and I was like, somebody's going to see it. And apparently that person was Prince. So, <laughs> and he loved it. So he tweeted it out and was like, I love this, and his camp hit us up, and they were like, let's work, and unfortunately, our schedules didn't align, so we weren't able to work, and flash forward, like, two, three years later, I um, I released Have Mercy, and I guess he'd still been, you know, watching me and keeping an eye on me, and right after, maybe three days after I released Have Mercy, 
she hit me up and was like, um, I need some of the soul that you put on that song. I need you to do that on this record that I have um, for Baltimore. And so I flew out and got to make a record with him. And it was awesome. And he's been kind of like a mentor ever since. Like, he talk regularly. And it's, it's really awesome because he, um, he really believes in especially strong black female um, artists. He's, like, really trying to push them and trying to be like everybody pay attention to all these black beautiful singers and I'm glad to have him um, by my side but yeah he's he's been a blessing and the whole experience was very surreal especially because I recorded this song and then like after maybe a week he was like hey you want to come perform with me like at a rally for peace and I was like what doesn't even make sense to me and I, I just couldn't believe all of that was really happening and then with, it was funny because when I got off stage um, at the Prince concert, my manager came up to me and said, you have an email, go check it. And it was Spike Lee asking to meet with me personally. And I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I just didn't really understand. And then, yeah, it just kind of turned into, at first Spike wanted me to do music for the film. And then he switched that and was like, no, I'm just going to write you in to the script and I ended up being a principal character. I didn't have too many lines, but <laughs> I was one of the principal characters and that was an awesome experience as well. They're both great men and I believe so much in what they do. So it was um, a blessing to be a part of um, anything involving them. How, like, how did you even deal with that? <laughs> Getting that email from Spike, I feel like I would have freaked out. I, I slipped because I was like, well, I was there at the at the Baltimore Arena with Prince and Beyonce was there, Alicia Keys was there, Miguel was there, Questlove. Like I was standing next to him on stage, so it was all like, "What the fuck for me?" Like I made, we'll put out one song. I don't have a project. Like this is retarded. I shouldn't be here. I kept telling, I'm like, kept telling my manager, like I should not be here. I shouldn't. He's like, "No, you should. Like this is, you definitely should." But it really didn't all even settle until I got back from doing everything. And then when I actually met with Spike, he hit us up when we got back to town and I was working two nannying jobs. So I was having to tell my na- the people I was nannying for like, sorry, I gotta go do a performance with Prince. And, and it's sorry, that I one. gotta go have a meeting <laughs> with, uh, yeah, like, sorry, I gotta go have a meeting with Spike Lee. And they're like, what the fuck? So I was like, yeah, I'm really just as confused as you. And I went, and just the first time I met him, I, I got off work. Um, I worked, like, since 6 that morning, and it was late in the evening. And, like, I just sat there tired, cracking jokes with him the very first time I met him. And he was like, yo, I fuck with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's do this. And then it kind of became, like, Uncle Spike and Uncle Prince. It was, like, a cool little start to this whole life that I'm hopefully going to embark on in this, you know, musical world. So... It was really awesome to have that kind of there for me because I've worked so hard to to put this stuff out and, you know, not really seeing too many people latch on at first for for a while. You kind of get a little nervous and a little insecure, and that's where I was at at that point. And um, it was just really cool to have all that solidified by these, you know, legendary artists. Right. Yeah, I'm just really grateful and practicing gratitude, you know. Like where water you fetch every night. Forbidden truth, so right, right, you had to take 
Are there any other challenges you've faced, um, you know, getting to this point as an artist other than, um, you know, just the business side, <laughs> figuring out that uh, that aspect of things? Yeah, like my biggest struggle, I think, making the EP was that I produced a lot of it, like the majority of it. And at first, I all the songs were just very, very minimal. They only had a couple instruments, um, and it was all my voice. And so even like on bass song on um, Act One, that whole horn section was just my voice. Like I, I had, you know, recorded that as my voice as a horn section. I was like, oh, since I don't really know who could play on this, we'll just put this in here like this. And we ended up asking one of my friends, Liam, who actually ended up helping me produce the whole thing. Um, we asked him if he could just get a band together and we could just translate all the songs that I produced into like full band songs. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So we recorded act one in a basement in like seven hours, the, all the instrumentation for it. And then, um, yeah, we went back. But the hardest thing about that was that I was trying to tell real musicians without knowing theory very well. I was trying to tell them like, no, I want you to play boom, boom, bop, like, like, trying to tell them how to play the drums, like, how I wanted them to. That was so difficult. And trying to tell them how I wanted them to play, you know, the 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 horns and how I wanted all this stuff to happen. It was, it was probably the most difficult challenge for me. Um, and trying to get everyone, you know, on the same page and people who really try to even devote their time to do something when they know they weren't, you know, really being paid. I'm not signed to a label or anything like that. And, um... That was a really big challenge, and not and not you know having the being an independent artist is kind of hard in and of itself, just because you're not having anyone pushing it, so it's kind of all up to you to kind of get it out there and then see what happens and try to push it and make people notice you. So those are some pretty difficult things. I guess. Sunday we fell in love. Monday wasn't enough Ooh. Tuesday I felt so small So I want to talk about your newest EP that was released recently mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of the, the style, I just want to tell you what I got from it and you can tell me if I'm if I'm there or not. But to me, the sound really reminds me of a lot of the powerful Motown female artists um, that we know and love. And like there's a lot of vintage stuff that's going on with it. Um, but mm-hmm. a lot of cool, uh, updated stuff, production. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. It's it's exactly that. It's a good job. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah, I kind of like um, it's soul music. I mean, there's that's kind of how I explain it to everyone. It's definitely soul. It's got elements of blues and jazz, and um, you know, it's got a little bit of a more modern twist to it, like you said. But uh, the basis of it all is soul music, and there's gospel influence. There's just I kind of threw it all together, all my favorite types of music, and kind of just, like, 
I just made it what it is. And it definitely, I was inspired a lot by the powerhouse vocalists of like, you know, Motown, um, that Motown era. But yeah, it's, it's like a little bit more, uh, you know, present. It's a little bit more of our generation type of soul, I guess. Um, and it is, it is a little bit of a throwback as well, but I think it's a good mix of both. And I just try to make music, um, that you could have listened to. I always say this. I try to make music that you could have listened to 50 years ago and that you will be able to listen to 50 years from now. So this kind of, I want to make music that just transcends time and it can be, you know, timeless and still speak to people, you know, later on down the road. So. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely got a classic feel to it, but definitely updated. Um, Sunday yeah. and Honey <laughs> definitely epitomized that that Motown sound. But I was really intrigued by mm-hmm. um, songs like How Many Times. Um, that made me think mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, more more music that you hear down south. Uh, maybe like a little mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a, like a southern charm kind of rock feel to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that that's definitely one of my favorite ones from the EP. Thank you. Yeah, that one is like, I went in on the piano and I just kind of, <laughs> I was like, this only needs a couple instruments. <clears throat> maybe a piano, maybe guitar. I know, maybe a piano, maybe some drums, and then that's it. And that's how that one kind of came about. But it does kind of sound a little bit more on the rock and roll side, or bluesy at least a little bit. <laughs> You have a couple mm-hmm. shows coming up or something I remember you mentioned. I do. There's a show. I have a small little gig tomorrow, and then I have another gig um, on the 27th on Saturday. It's a So Far Sound show. And then we head out for tour on the 1st of March. Oh, very cool. Where is your first stop? Yeah. Um, we are hitting up New York first, and then we go over to D.C., and then we do Okeechobee Festival in Florida. And then we go to Atlanta and then Nashville. So you're ending in Nashville. That's a cool. small little abbreviated tour. Yeah. Yeah, I love Nashville. So is this like a pre-spring kind of tour or just when you're starting out? It's just a, it's a, it's a, like a, just a regular little tour, I guess. It's like not the same. I don't really know. <laughs> it's a communion tour. It's like this group of people. Um, you know who Mumford and Sons? Mm-hmm. Well, they like handpick artists um, to be like to do residencies. So if you're a residency artist, you do the traveling, and then in every state, they pick artists from each state or city or whatever um, to perform that night with the resident artist. So I'm one of the resident artists. And they gave us, like, it was originally supposed to be, like, 11 dates, but we decided to just cut it in half since we planned on maybe doing South By and a couple other shows in L.A. So, but, yeah, it should be cool. That's awesome. Mumford & Sons, I didn't know that they do that. So it's basically, yeah, like, a traveling. Yeah, I, I was like, whoa. That's cool. Yeah, basically, you get yeah. to travel. Yeah, Mumford & Sons. Yeah, Mumford and Son isn't doing it with us, but they, it's kind of cool that I can involved with the people from Communion Music and do this kind of thing. I think it's cool because it's like the tour is based 
around doing like repers or um trying to get artists, newer artists out there and to get people to discover them. So it's kind of a cool, cool little first tour that I'll be doing. To see the music that was played on this episode, and for a few extra minutes, check out therhymebook.net. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in. Make sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and AudioMac. But I just think I'm so confused.